Hello, everyone, and welcome to Scene, Scene Partners. Partners. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> we should we should talk to Christian about doing like a doing one of those intros where it's like a bunch of riffs. Oh yeah yeah yeah. We could. Yeah, we could have like. Under. Oh, you mean a vocal riff? Yes. Yeah. What did you think I was talking about? I don't, I don't, I just thought like, you know how they have, if we had ads and we had like a little, oh. something to keep playing underneath us the whole time. Oh, which man, kill. if we had ads, you know, you just, you listen to other people's stuff. Like I was listening to Dak Shepard's last one and I can't tell you how many times I hit that plus 15 button. Yep. I was like, man, <laughs> this is never going to end. I swear there was like seven minutes. It's almost as bad as with the smart list with their AutoZone. Oh, my gosh. Become have a Lord. This, have I think I have, have them all memorized. Yeah. AutoZone, Become a Lord, the th- online therapy. Yeah, the online therapy. And mm. there's there's a mattress one. It's not sleep number. There it's is, the, it uh, is a different mattress one. Yeah, there's one. something else. Man, I could have used some of that online therapy this week, I think. Oh, what happened? I know this is a real Just moment, like, but what happened? <laughs> Just like in general, just to, to talk about things. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, you know, what? How, 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 do I, how do I deal with my life? It's kind of stressful being a theater artist at this moment. Yes. You know? And just knowing what we're supposed to do going forward. Well, yeah, we live in the unknown right now. It's like, I mean, do we do this show? Do we save I basically it for next season? online therapied you the other day in the car. Yeah. This is my favorite <laughs> things whenever I'm having like an absolute freak out moment. I talk to Lexi and I'm pretty calm, which is seems like the opposite of what I should be. Like it should be your wife that you. It's like no, I want to keep. Well, her you don't want to spook her. You don't want to like scare her. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Like I'm just so thankful that she allows me to do what I do. <laughs> In a sense, I'm like, I'm on a razor's edge, <laughs> being like, you're. I this has to, to 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 still be a good thing. Yeah. Or like I'm having fun. So then I call you and I'm like, oh my god, I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> You're like I don't know. My favorite part of it was I don't know what you want me to be right now. Am I supposed to be positive or do you want me to tell you the truth? I was like, no, I want your opinion. Oh, yeah. oh. It's like, <laughs> like I genuinely I, t- want your opinion. Don't tell, disagree. Tell me where to sit in this conversation <laughs> right now because I know you need some kind of like therapy to talk <laughs> do you, you through. Need this? Some affirmation. I don't need you to just agree. I need you to tell me your opinion. <laughs> But it's been hard. You know, I mean, we're trying to figure out if there's any way that we can salvage any ounce of our season with play on theater. Yeah. And it's just so difficult because, you know, I don't want to do something and put anybody in harm's way. In yeah, yeah, sense. yeah. And then I also don't want, you know, from a business standpoint, there's like a moral standpoint and then there is like a business standpoint mm-hmm, where you mm-hmm. think well business wise i have to be producing something or else we're not bringing in any money yeah and the things that we have to pay bill you know the things money yeah. that we use to pay bills <laughs> isn't coming in so what Keep do we the do lights on right um so it's that is difficult but then you you think well if we do this show and we're only able to have 20 people watch it yeah. You know, what do, what do we do? And I think there's that strange unknown of, you know, right now I saw that they're letting you do, they're letting you stream or apply to stream the shows. And so then you can sell tickets to a stream version. But are people going to buy those? And do people want to watch a stream version 
of tuna Christmas with two guys running in and out of a door. I just feel like the energy wouldn't be the same. No, it's like, you know, can we can we ask them to unmute it and still hear their laughter? <laughs> right. That's the it, it's one of the like when uh I think we talked about like seeing a comedian sometimes and like the laughter is infectious in the room or whatever. Yeah, you build off of the energy. Yeah, and and not having that would be like all of our rehearsals and it's it would we would probably be so slow or we'd either go like too yeah. fast to catch anything. Exactly. It would be hard to yeah, it, that is a really hard thing with the comedic part of it mm-hmm. because you kind of like your timing, people talk about comedic timing, but it is different based off of your audience. Yeah. And like what they're accepting and how far you can push a moment. Well, have you seen have you seen any of those clips on like the Graham Norton show since the the pandemic started? I I think I saw him do one small interview with okay. someone, but I didn't really watch the whole. So you know how he show, like has that him. couch of people or whatever. Well, right. now he's got like chairs, you know, evenly spaced on the stage, whatever, mm-hmm. and. Everyone is telling their anecdotes and stories and things like that, and it's just falling flat because there is no audience to yeah, give you the nothing. laughter. And and as a performer, you can see some of those people telling their stories and having that punchline at the end, and it's like, and then you Ugh. just you want yeah, you almost think the sound guy needs a laugh track. <laughs> yes, like now the laugh track needs to come back. Do you think if we had a laugh track for Tuna Christmas or just the podcast, like maybe <laughs> we should just add in? <laughs> I mean, normally where we are our own laugh track can we come get like some sit-ins to just listen <laughs> and we'll have a an overhead mic just to catch them we should get the town's best laughers that's what we'll do we'll hold a contest by that's the way us. speaking of contest i don't think we'll ever do another contest shame mm-hmm. on us shame we on you shame on me it was it was 100 percent me that you then had to also bear the brunt of but um we now know that you are listening thank friends, you friends um we hope you enjoy your presence presence it's a gift <laughs> it's a gift i mean if uh yeah there was definitely a you know we don't know if we're gonna be able to afford all of these it's like my dad i was like you don't even drink get out of here what do you want <laughs> right. i'll get you a dp like, i think next want? time it's stickers whatever our yeah thing it's, is, it's whatever stickers. is the cheapest thing that we have in the room. yeah <laughs> Like, I'll give you the lint that I've been saving. Everyone can sit around a campfire and listen to uh, mm-hmm. your your story about rage. Oh, my gosh. Rage. Keep coming back. Rage. Never go away. Um, so, but but thank you all for listening. And yes. This is awesome. Yes. Um, but not too long ago, we did ask some questions on Instagram. And I we talked about that on the podcast about how I couldn't find them anymore. Well, I found them. <laughs> and um, so... <laughs> so now i you know we could possibly answer some of them some of them were really i mean i can't i can't say that they not all of them were great they were all great questions Mm -hmm. um one of them that's kind of a an interesting one that i think i think about all the time was you know what future shows are you interested in directing i think about the future shows that i want to direct all the time yeah um oddly enough none of them are musicals not one I mean, I would probably, yeah, I mean, there's got to be some musicals, but I don't think that's not where my brain goes first. Like, I want to direct adults in a non-musical. <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm so, so I think you bad. would just be happy to direct anything. Yeah, and to direct anything. That would be really awesome. 
Uh, and then not, you know, to direct it and not have to worry about distance yeah. or, you know, putting masks on people, which, you know, kudos to our local um, fellow theater artist, Lane Miller, who put on a production of a musical in her backyard. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about resourcefulness. That's amazing. Especially like when the and it was it was actually kind of cool, too, because the temperature dropped. So you also it's spooky season. Temperature dropped. You're watching oh, yeah, you the Adams family. Yeah, that's really cool. It was that is really awesome. But I mean, you know, still just trying to do what you can to figure out a mm-hmm. way through. I mean, that's how we started with this podcast. That's true. So kudos to you. Two thumbs up. Um, we, I feel like we need some kind of award. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, I don't know what it is. You get a scene partner. <laughs> Whatever it is. A patana. Uh, yeah. Patana. You get a patana. And you get a patana. They're just um, stickers. But, you know... I don't know if you've ever read Sarah Rule's Eurydice. Have you read that? Mm-mm. Man, it's so good. And so when I think about like what musical I'd direct, it would probably I'd want to direct Hades Town, which is the exact same story. Yeah. Um, but Eurydice is oh, it's so good. It's so so good. I would love to direct that show. I think I might have already talked about this once. I would also really like you're to direct, a DJ. Yeah, you're a DJ. That was what it was. <laughs> I also really want to direct Othello. Really? Oh, man, I would love to direct Othello. That's one of my favorites. Interesting. Why? I just, the, it's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> You're I mean, like trying to talk about this pandemic I know, in a positive way. But still, like, it's just, you know, there's beauty and sadness sometimes. And I think it's True, so yes. beautiful. And just the fact that, you know, you really see, and I think that it is a little poignant right now, but you see, you know, um, Iago... In the very beginning, you know, and I think this kind of gets skimmed over sometimes, but in the very beginning, I can't remember his exact line, but you realize that he actually suspects Othello of fooling around with with his wife. And so that is what the whole thing gets started off. Yeah, with. it's it's not like everybody's always, oh, it's Othello's jealousy. It's mm-hmm. his jealousy. It's not. It's Iago's jealousy. And Iago forms this plan based off of something that he just things happened because he's kind of a terrible and abusive guy yeah and you don't notice that and so in a way it's like shakespeare yet again being ahead of his time like in the beginning you're on the side of iago yeah who's the nice white dude and (laughs) you know and you're like oh there's no way and then you don't think of him as a bad guy until you see him going oh i can't remember his wife's name right now this is gonna drive me crazy um, until you see him go after her yeah. and then you really see his darkness and everything that he is, you know, that he has done since then. So really it's, it's sad because Othello's getting this misinformation Yeah, and he's just keeps getting this misinformation, which some people might, you know, think is also poignant at this moment of just being constantly fed information. And you don't know what's real and what's, and what's not. And, so then you you're like he's just freaking out, and then at the end for all of that to happen, and then to find out that him and Desdemona love each other so much that whenever she could say, you know, when uh, um, she, she comes in, the the maid comes in and says, you know, what is what has happened to you, and she goes, uh, she basically says that she did it herself. Oh yeah, but yeah she's yeah. still at the end, even when she's dying, doesn't blame the person she loves the most. I think it's just so beautiful. Yeah. And I think you could do it so cool. I saw an interesting production of it where they put 
it was like a guerrilla warfare situation and they made Othello was the only person with like a Nigerian accent. It was yeah. very strange. That's so interesting, especially the timeliness of even that whole and not to get like crazy political or anything, but to see how that's still relevant today. All, always. I mean, yeah. it's just and, you know, I don't think that it is so much a, a race thing as it is a just people and people who are different than them. But yeah, you see that with Merchant of Venice and in a religious way uh, with Shylock, who's mm-hmm. Jewish, and the way that they treat him. And you know that's actually billed as a comedy. Huh. It's insane. But, you know, times definitely have changed. Well, that's like... Um, but some things stay the same. I mean, you yes. know, any sort of difference, people are wary of change. Yeah, that's true, yeah. You know, you, you talked about um, um, the beauty in tragedy and things like that. And I don't know if you've ever uh, either read the story behind or they, they've actually made this really amazing French film. If you've never seen it, it's about uh, the author uh, Moliere wrote the the comedy uh, Moliere. Mm-hmm. Um, cannot think of his name. And I'm sure we will both get a text message as to who the author is. Ty we know things, all right? <laughs> we Ty just don't Cedars. know them in the moment. Um, <laughs> We're going to get a 5 a.m. text right when he wakes up. <laughs> um, but uh, but there's, there's this film about, like, the actual tragedy that led to him writing the comedy of this, like, this love, this forlorn love, and it is amazing to see that. And, like, I identify a little bit with that, like, comedy you and I definitely always try to go for the joke and and whatever the the heavy situation is we tend to always still somehow make a make a joke to kind of lighten the mood a 100%, little bit every time <laughs> but um yeah so wait so are you talking about the playwright Moliere Moliere what's the famous play that he wrote oh Tartuffe Tartuffe oh my god oh, yes I was like misanthrope Tartuffe no no it was Tartuffe no, nobody really knows the misanthrope. No, it's they should. Yeah, yeah. Tartuffe. <laughs> Tartuffe is the only one he's known for. Yeah, but it's it's basically his life story and the events that led to him him writing Tartuffe, and That's it is so cool. This, this beautiful is a moment. Film? Yes, and it's um. Well, it, you know, I ba- I've been doing Duolingo, so I got this. Mm-hmm. I got this. <laughs> I've heard your Duolingo, <laughs> and I've also heard it go off and say, "Hey, look, we haven't seen you in a couple days. You when are you coming back?" That I'm an étudiant of Duolingo. <laughs> What's your favorite phrase? Un bibliothèque. <laughs> bibliothèque is so good. It's such a good phrase. Uh, speaking of directing, I, this isn't actually on the whiteboard or anything, but I was curious. Um, what is like when you're reading a script for the first time? What is your approach? Like when you're reading it as like, I know I want to direct this or I'm going to direct this script. Like what is, for example, like I read scripts very, very, very slowly because Mm -hmm. I will read them and like see every character. Yeah, I kind of read it as a performer, I think, first. Yeah. Whereas it would be like if I'm performing each of these lines. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it does take me a while to get through it because I'm taking the moments and everything. Um, As far as like an approach, I, I think it's more or less... You know, I could direct an entire play if there's one good scene. Mm. And if that scene is worth it, like I will do I will do the whole thing just to get to that one point. Yeah. And I know that that probably sounds ridiculous, but it's something about like working your way through it to really earn that moment. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't know. Um, I, I think as far as like an in, it is more or less what I think people are going to learn from the show. What, yeah. What, and, the, and that comes from what I learned from the show. So the show teaches me something and then I think, oh, other people should know this. Yeah. Or I feel something from reading it and think more people should have this feeling. Mm -hmm. And how do I get that across? And then, you know, my mind starts going as far as how can I do this as cheaply as possible? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because I don't know what just made me think of that, but it's like... When we were reading um, To Kill a Mockingbird, it was the, you know, normally I'll read the script, you know, for the first time and envision like what character I am mm-hmm. and trying to visualize those moments. a little different though because you're already so familiar. Yes, yes. But then after that, after that first initial read through, I sat down and I read it and I tried to imagine, you know, what are the objectives? You know, what are we, what are we, or yeah, obstacles what really yeah what what's what are we leading to kind of like you're saying like if there's one good moment mm-hmm. you can build up to that and I, I just i don't just made me think like what a cool way to approach a script and like what was your approach to it as well yeah i mean for mockingbird it was a little bit different i knew the story so well already and so more or less i knew i wanted to tell the story mm-hmm. and then it was just finding that adaptation that i liked yeah for that and seeing if I could get the point across that I wanted because I felt like it needed it was a story that needed to be told. Yeah. I still do. Man, I would uh and this year would have been the perfect climate it to been tell the story. Perfect year. If we could have just moved it up by like two months. Yeah. Somehow. It would have never made sense <laughs> or worked because we would have been doing Christmas Carol. But people people would have looked at 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 you and thought, wow, this is a man who was ahead of his time. <laughs> to kill a mockingbird. <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> to kill a Christmas mockingbird. Uh, to kill a Christmas. Oh, man. Um, so, well, in, in the, talking about like approaches, one of the questions that was asked is, how do you go about creating horror or a thriller moment on stage? Oh, that's interesting. Have you ever seen the play uh, Dial M for Murder? No. And I think this is the, and this may not be the right show, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure this is the right show where... One, the the main character has uh, just gone blind. And it's, I, I believe Hitchcock has actually done a film of this. Oh, really? But um, in this version, and this may not be the right title for the show, and that's kind of driving me crazy. I'm going to have to look it up later. But in this particular show, if it's not Dial-In for Murder, the lead role is blind. And she's in her house, and she's kind of learning how to live as a blind person. Mm-hmm. And these two guys show up and they're going to rob her. And in the like them trying to rob her, it becomes like a a situation where they're going to have to kill her. And she is essentially fighting them off. Yeah. And they're just playing cat and mouse with her the whole time. And it is so suspenseful. And it's ridiculous because it's just an apartment set. I mean, it's it's like a living room drama. So you're watching the whole thing. There's, you know, just whatever is in her apartment, the seat, the set never moves and you get familiar with it the whole time. And, uh, at the end, the lights are turned out and you just hear it. So then you, she like finds the power and she turns the power off and she switches the tables. Oh, that's awesome. And so then you just hear everything. And as the audience, you don't see anything either because it's blacked out. And that to me, is just so cool because yeah. it do, it really is true that 
the things that you imagine are always way worse. Oh yeah. Like you're, it's like, it's that thing. Like when you're a kid or even still when you're an adult and you have to take the garbage out and you're like, I'm fine. I can do that because <laughs> right. it's never in the middle of the day that you take the garbage out. It's always at night. No, you never think about it at two 30. And if that dust to dawn line isn't on, you're just it's a scary situation. What, 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 what is happening? Or like, even if you're going in your you know, kitchen to get water in the middle of the night, you're still going to probably high step it all the way back because <laughs> you don't want the demons to grab your feet. Just imagine you like high kneeing <laughs> the whole way. It takes me kitchen. about 14 steps. Um, yeah, but, but still it's the things you don't see. And you know, that was one thing that I thought of when we were doing Oliver mm-hmm. and we had the, I was going to bring that up. Nancy's death scene. Yeah. yeah. We, well, we went through three different death scenes for that. And the first one was very vicious and it was on stage. Yeah. And the second one was, I, I was like, maybe I should turn tone this down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like this might be a little intense. So I, I toned it down. I made it more of, I, I like made it more of like a strangle. Strangulation yeah. And, um, and it was very, very quick. And I was like, this is still not, the same and I was thinking and I was like you know what that show where you don't see the second half and you just hear what's going on is so intense and your mind is racing the whole time and I thought that would be that would be more and yeah it, throughout that whole play it was all about trying to make it from the child Oliver's perspective and what he is seeing and you know how horrific that is as a child yeah and so I, I wanted the audience to have that same feeling of what it would be like to be a kid again. And so to have Oliver at center stage and then have Bill Sykes bring Nancy off stage and you just hear the struggle mm-hmm. and you see the child's reaction to what they're seeing off stage. Yeah. Even though it was really just me with a pipe. <laughs> wow, way block. too like give it away. Ooh, yeah. But I mean, that was horrific. And I didn't necessarily mean to ruin the lives of all of the children in our <laughs> community, <laughs> but still to this day people are coming up and being like, "Man, that uh that Oliver, my kid still talks about that." Like, "Yeah, I'm really I'm really sorry." But you know what though? It's it, it it's it's interesting that you said that you framed it that way because you're how, without being like too heavy, like kids see so much of even what their parents try to hide from them. And like kids are very perceptive and I'm always surprised. Yes. As someone who teaches children, they see everything and they tell everyone. Yes. There's no secrets. Once you have a kid, you're basically like, all right, well, everyone now knows all of my business. Exactly. The minute that they can start forming sentences (laughs) and and sell you out so fast. Absolutely. Uh, And, 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 it, it, it was so interesting from from my perspective of an audience member, not, you know, just as someone who understands how the sausage is made uh, to, in, in seeing that, you know, even though it was visceral and but having it off stage made it, I think, scarier because of the tension and how cerebral that moment was, because yeah. you, you, you created how bad it was, even though you heard the action of it. Right. Yeah. Your mind is going to fill in the gap. Yeah. And so I think that's that's one thing that I think people don't really do very often now is I think that they just they show the audience everything Mm -hmm. because they don't think they're smart. Yeah. And I've always believed that your audience is as intelligent as you think they are. Yes. And that they will rise. They will rise to the occasion. So if you're if you just give them all the answers, I don't understand what the the point is in that. 
And so as a director, I think I'm going to direct this, you know, and somebody might say it's, it's like highbrow or, or whatever it is, you know, like a, a moment that is too intellectual, but I mean, I, I think it's worth it. Oh, and I think that the absolutely. audience will follow you every time. It's a show that I keep begging you to watch Avatar The Last Airbender oh um, or, or I'll even compare to <laughs> like Up. But in, in both of those instances, what makes that storytelling so powerful is well, it's yeah, about like what's up, not said. In the beginning, there was no words and you followed the yes. whole thing. Well, even even for the rest of the story, when That's Russell... True. Russell is the, the, the kid character is revealing to the older man um, that, you know, he's talking about this mother figure and he says, well, you should you should be happy that you have a mom. And he's like, she's not my mom. And you're like, you fill in all those gaps of all those stories that was told before and not right. telling your audience that outright because you didn't think that they were stupid. Yeah, it hits harder. It hits like so much like better That's doing an entire show for one scene. Yes. I'm with that 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, it's what makes storytelling so powerful. That's the Desdemona moment. Um, so someone else asked, how do you increase or how do we increase accessibility in theater? And I think that's that's kind of a heavy-handed question in a way. Because yeah. accessibility can mean a whole lot of things. Um, you know, and it, when I read that, immediately what I thought of is casting the appropriate people. Yes. Always. And I think that whenever we start casting actors with disabilities to play characters with disabilities, then, then we're in good shape that we're doing a good job of increasing accessibility. There's this awesome, um, I don't know if you've seen the documentary, but there's this awesome group in Colorado, um, called family. Mm hmm. And I don't. I might have talked to you about them before, but family is spelled with a ph, and it stands for like paraplegic, hearing, um, autistic, something else. Like basically, it's it's it is casting these people that would not normally be able to be afforded a role. Yeah, you know. Uh, and in this documentary, like they did, Elephant Man was somebody with elephantitis, and they oh, that like, would be awesome. Did you know they they always try to do these these shows around their performers um they did um uh the show that they're doing in it in the documentary is once upon a mattress mm -hmm. and queen agravane is in a wheelchair and the king is blind and you know they just like everybody um everybody in the show is has has uh, a disability that's awesome and it's just so so good um, and they take you from the audition process all the way through the end. And they are, I, I want to say they're in Colorado Springs, but that might not be right, but they're awesome. And I think the more that we start being inclusive in that way, um, I think then we are starting to move towards increasing accessibility. Oh, absolutely. Into theater. It's like, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Peanut Butter Falcon with uh, Shia no, but I want to watch it so bad. Okay. But I know like. Lexi and I have sat down and almost watched it about a thousand times, but given her job, I just like, we are so afraid to watch anything like that yeah, <laughs> because we right. know it's just going to, or I know it's just going to tear her to shreds. Yeah. But, but, you know, seeing something like that is so 
incredibly powerful and and it's so much better than something that people like hold of high esteem like rain man where it's like someone is emulating these things where it is an an actual actor with this you know this actual disability right well and it doesn't you know i think that's one of the great things like i would really love to answer that question about to add on to that question about shows you really want to direct i really want to direct curious incident of the dog at night at, Mm. uh, at night because of that and so many other reasons, but, um, you know, when they originally performed that, it's a, it's a play about a, a boy who has autism. Yeah. And, um, and they cast someone with autism in the role. And there was this guy that was kind of doing it at every regional theater. I mean, he, he was, he was just kind of the dude. He was like flying around and bouncing and that was, he was, he was making that contract work for him. But, you know, when is that ever going to come back for him? Yeah. You know? Um, And I would love, I would love to be able to do that show here and to cast that appropriately. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was like that. What's that show? The, the good doctor where the, the, um, the lead actor is supposed to have uh, autism and he's this doctor or whatever it is. And, and it's like, we could have found someone that actually had autism instead of, hiring this Bates Motel actor. Right. Yeah, to play this role, which still doesn't make sense to me, but especially because those actors are out there. Yes. So why are you not using them? Mm-hmm. I mean, if I had, if uh, it's, it's that actress from Deadwood and I wish I should know her name because she is amazing. Um, she has cerebral palsy and, mm. um, she actually talked about, you know, who I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh, that woman is so good. And she actually, she, I watched an interview with her and where she was talking about this, and she actually talked about Dustin Hoffman's Rain Man and how upset she was about that. And she actually is saying, you know, I, she said this is something that's been going on for a very long time. She said that she went in and actually auditioned for a role of somebody with cerebral palsy, or sorry, I'm saying that so wrong. <laughs> Cerebral palsy. I'm so glad you said it because it's like I didn't want to say it about the actor in Breaking Bad, uh, and I couldn't. I didn't want to be wrong, whether it was cerebral, cerebral or cerebral. Right? Cerebral is the brain. We should cerebral have palsy? we should Lexi have Lexi on in here. here. We're fact checking like, us. I'll just text her and see if she'll come in and be like, "Hey, can you teach? Can us you how give to us say? an active Duolingo Literally on?" <laughs> We need you. We have a question for you. Sorry, Lexi's here. Um, we need to learn how to say cer- cerebral palsy, cerebral palsy, or cerebral. You're palsy. speaking to mind because can it's you, more bright. Can you tell? Focused. Can you tell the podcast world? Cerebral palsy. Oh, thank you so much. Cerebral palsy. I was saying that wrong. I was saying cerebral palsy. I think both are correct. Oh, ooh. So I said them both correctly. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> well, th- thank you. That was that was really it. Um, so I'm gonna say cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy. Yeah. Oh my that was her initial pronunciation. That so that's rough. what I'm going with. Yeah, I'm, uh, that was that was rough. Um, okay. So what what is, what what are you? Um, well, if I had to pick a show <laughs> yeah, that I would like to direct, this. you're a part of it. Welcome <laughs> to the podcast, Chris. Everybody, this is Chris McDowell. <laughs> Um, Chris, what, what would be a show that you would direct Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Yeah. Yeah. You knew exactly what I was going to. Mm. I don't know why I'm so fascinated with that. I feel like that's a really hard show, um, based off of 
just the Dustin Hoffman musical. Um, and I've also seen the, the David Hasselhoff, the clip. David Hasselhoff <laughs> clip of him transitioning. That's a hard song. Yes. You got to give it to him. I wouldn't do the musical. No. Yeah. I wouldn't. Do the I would do either, either the straight play, but it I, good music I think it. if I, and speaking to, you know, people with disabilities and things like that, if I, if I had to pick, it would be really hard for me because it, I think I'd also want to do flowers for Algernon. Oh yeah. I would love to do that because I think that is such a beautiful beautiful Such story a good story yes yeah, that is a very good story i feel the same way about of mice and men these are oh, just like all yeah. of the all of the shows with let's name every show that we would shows like to. that we can think of <laughs> off the top of our head i mean i've wanted to do flowers of algernon and you know they did a great version of that at steppenwolf that was so good i wonder if i can find the the um adaptation of it Mm. So that would be a really good one to read. Also, uh, of Mice and Men, they did that with Gary Sinise and uh, with John Malkovich. Before they even did the film version, they did that at, on the stage there. Oh, really? And um, I think Sam Shepard did the uh, Sam Shepard did the adaptation of that, and it is very good. Um, I mean, and we're already perfectly cast. Yeah, and I was basically called <laughs> Lenny all through college, so <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, but uh. What what else? What like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde? I wonder what it is exactly that fascinates you about that show. Is it just playing with the emotions between like how do I believably make this? How do I make this believable? Well, for for me, it's really the duality of the character because I love that we all live kind of like with this monster within, right? Right. And, you know, a lot of times we'll put on this facade to hide this thing that we're... In fact, I love the the cold open for SNL that uh, Dave Chappelle did this week. And he's like, you know, you people are, are so afraid of wearing a mask, but I've been wearing a mask all these years and I have to put on a, a punchline at the end of it. Yeah. At, at all times. And it's like, I love that idea that that we have this thing he's within us. so honest. Yes. And, and it's like, what we want to say versus who we portray on the outside and we let people walk all over us sometimes. And it's mm. like, no, no, this is what I want to do. Not, not necessarily be a murderous a yeah. monster thing. Well, but, so it would be interesting <laughs> to me is, and this is just in theory is what would happen if Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde looked and acted the exact same. Uh, it would be uh, that version of the Hulk from Endgame. <laughs> so not very interesting no no, no. Uh, but 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 that's ultimately what the i think the story is truly about is is bringing both of those together like right not i think the difficulty is is that it's 100 percent one emotion on one way yeah like it is just giving into temptation and anger mm -hmm. like like to the nth degree um whenever you become Jekyll, right? But it's but it's, it's okay. Jekyll is the bad guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Hyde, Hyde is the, Hyde bad, is the bad guy. Yeah, but it's 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 so much about like it's okay to have these emotions. It's okay right. to be angry. You can be angry. You don't have to like yell at another human being, but you can say, "Hey, look, mm -hmm. I'm I'm upset right now. I'm gonna go in the other room to figure out like what insecurity like you're triggering in me right now. But I'm gonna come back. I think you should adapt it yourself." Oh, God. I think you should just jump in, do it yourself, and that way you can tell the story that you want to tell through the novel. We won't We won't put that on the uh, uh, play-on banner just in case it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
that's that's very generous <laughs> of you. Um, but ha- adapting things are that's that's a hard one. I've it's seen also like a really good adaptation, things, and then I've seen a really bad adaptation. Or adaptation or an adaptation. Adaptation. Okay. I have never seen one. I've I've never seen a the like the the straight play version of that show. I saw an awesome uh, Dorian Gray that I mm. really that I really liked. Um, and I can't tell if I liked it because it was weird and just so <laughs> like out of the box that I was like, sure, I'm digging it. Like, why not? Like you're a. Uh, 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 Shakespeare in space. Yeah, like Shakespeare in space. <laughs> at, at like a certain point, you're just like, I mean, they went there. They did it. <laughs> they made this happen. You know what that just made me think of? Oh, my gosh. I have not thought about this story in forever. But my friends, this is such a sidetrack, sidebar. My friend Sasha invited me to go to this staged reading. And my God, I wish I could remember the name of this play. I might have to text her and ask her. Um, what the name of this play was, but it was in, it were these people in Chicago that were living in a firehouse, like an old abandoned firehouse, um, like renting it. They were just Before we go further, did it burn down or can I laugh at this story? It did not. Okay. (laughs) No one died. (laughs) Okay. All right. No one died. Um, but she invited me to go with her. I think she might've been interested in somebody in the show. I can't totally remember, but I, makes sense. yeah, I think that that was the purpose but you it was that near cute guy on the left well that's why i'm here tonight <laughs> and i think that might have actually been what was going on but i didn't really know these i think i had known like some of them but i didn't really know mm-hmm. what we were walking into or who they were but it wasn't very far from where i was living <laughs> so i was like yeah i'm down for this I'm game I mean, yeah it's absolutely basically like i could do this and then take like a a seven dollar cab ride <laughs> i don't even have to worry about the bus like i'm i'm good with this so um it was in the middle of winter it's always in the middle of winter, no matter when it is in Chicago. It's I was about always to say, isn't Chicago winter. always in winter? Yeah, it feels I watch that Shameless way. all the time, and it's like always winter in <laughs> that show. <laughs> it feels that way. It's only because summer is like summer, it's fall, and spring is like three months. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, uh, we go into this old firehouse, and I quickly realize that it's kind of like a little commune that we've walked in. And this guy has written, like, there are these people that live there, but they don't have dividers in their bedrooms. They just kind of have, like, beds thrown upstairs. And and downstairs, they don't have seats for people, and everybody's just kind of sitting on the floor. And they've got some stools up, and they're going to do this play. But this play was like this Armageddon. It was called something like Armageddon space ballet and like was the name of it and it had a moment where there was a dance break i'm not kidding but we're sitting and we are watching this whole thing and it is so bad it's about these people and they go to the moon and they're supposed to be like doing this experiment in space and then there's nuclear war breaks out and the the earth is gone and so then they like have to repopulate humanity and there's there is a ballet in the middle of it that they actually had choreographed for the stage reading. They had a cat in the firehouse that just kept jumping up and Mm -hmm. like moving stuff on their stands. It was ridiculous. At the end of it, he asked everybody to sit in a circle and he wanted everyone that attended to talk about their feelings. This was like three hours long, by the way. And he wanted everyone to talk about their feelings. And I 
immediately got sick to my stomach. This makes no sense. I had nothing to drink. I can only think. I do that, not believe this story anymore. No, I'm telling you, I did not have anything to drink. Um, I well, okay, I had a beer, but it's still I like had nothing, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I feel kind of nauseous. And he wanted everybody to talk about their feelings. And the first guy was like, I had a really emotional experience uh, with, you know, the character of Damien or whoever. And I just stood up and I looked at Sasha and I said, I got to go. And I went outside and literally projectile vomited for five minutes. Like, that's how bad that show was, that I projectile vomited. I just want to say hearing that makes me definitely not want to adapt the novel of (laughs) Jekyll and Hyde. (laughs) And I just texted her and was like, I'm I'm in a cab. I'm going home. I threw up everywhere. That was a miserable experience. Don't hook up with that guy. Oh, <laughs> like, man. That's about the only thing I remember. That's but one man, of those nightmare. So Where you, 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 I need to find out that title because the title was everything. Yes. The, the, the crazy thing about that is like you have to wonder, because that was definitely someone's artistic vision. What happened? They didn't have a best friend that said, edit. <laughs> like, you need a friend that's going to read it and be like, ooh, yeah, no, man. Look, this doesn't make any sense. I don't know why there's a space ballet. Um, this, no. That's no, why man. I appreciate you and Lexi. You're all like, you got to cut this out of the podcast. It no longer makes sense. <laughs> I mean, that's more more her. She's, she is, she's better at that stuff than I am. Um. But, man, that guy needed a friend. So what was the other thing? That's, oh, um, I think we we answered all those questions. I'm going to be honest. We did have some questions, and some of them were just, like, too intense. What? Mm, kind of yeah. scared to ask. Yeah, there was too <laughs> intense. Some of them were a little silly. They were like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Like, well, that's not None really of your business. we're doing. If I wanted you to know, I'd start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got my brother-in-law and uh, future sister-in-law coming yeah. into town, which was awesome, by the way. It was awesome. I wish that we could have even though where we could interview. Oh, again, that would have been you know? so great. Maybe next time they come down to visit. You want to talk about like not knowing what to do in the middle of a situation? I mean, Zach is he's. So he stays so positive. I'm, I'm like so envious and of him for this, but he's this massive event planner essentially. Yeah. Um, for these huge parties and uh, and he does freelance and he lives in Los Angeles and I just think like the cost of living and you know absolutely no work and having to look at planning virtual events. I mean, oh, I just. I need, I need people to start wearing their mask, I guess, so that he can go back to work. Absolutely. Know. Yeah. But we did have a, we did have a lot of fun with them and, uh, I am really excited for their wedding. I think it's going to be awesome. Even though they invited me, the the one thought that I, that, that I, that I had when Danny was like, Hey, you ought to come to the wedding. I thought I have to go on a diet right now. <laughs> well, that's what Lexi I need a said gym membership. Me, like, what was it? Four months ago where she looked at me and she was like, we have got to make some changes. And I was like, what? And my mind is racing. What are we talking? What do you mean we need to make some changes? I thought we we're, this is great. Our relationship is the, is amazing. And she was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to show up to Zach and Denny's wedding because Danny is like the, she's the evolve. Yeah. yeah she's fitness. like the evolve lady. There's like this whole fitness workout regime. 
And um and you know, it's been a professional dancer for like twelve years. She's just like insane. And yeah, I saw said, her I continually wanna... eating chips and salsa, and I thought that must fair. be nice. I mean, she burns so many calories. You think about like, like teaching all of those classes every day. Um, but uh, so I mean, when she was here, she did some virtual classes. That's insane. Uh, but she is like a ball of energy all the time. Yeah, that is true. She's she's ready to go. Um, but she said, "Yeah, I don't want people to look at us and automatically think those must be the Louisiana relatives." <laughs> And the whole time I just kept thinking, like, how dare you just stare at me? First off, I put on like, a little weight. I know that I've been eating. You feel like Tim Allen from the Santa Claus. You call this pizza. a little weight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know I've been eating a lot of the food that you cook. I can't help this Cajun food. It's so to be good. fair, though, her cooking is the reason why we are not as in shape as we used to be. Yeah, and kind of the reason why we're here. <laughs> I yes, hundred percent. I'm not like trying she to knows. discredit. It was her. all about that pot roast the very first time. <laughs> she made it and she warned me. She was like, "You're never gonna want to leave." And I was like, "You have no idea who you just said that to." I have a suitcase in my car. If this went well, I was just gonna move in. <laughs> <laughs> I I've been living off of uh, you know pizza for a long time. For a long time. That is very true. <laughs> so um, you know, thinking about moving forward and doing readings and things. I'm just so curious if people really actually want to see virtual stuff. You know, like, do you want to watch it? Because I am obsessed with theater. I love it. Yes. And I don't know if I necessarily want to watch a virtual show. So if I don't want to watch it, I can't think that other people who are just kind of like, yeah, I like to do this are going to be down. It's Is that horrible for me to admit? No, 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 no. Because... You don't, you don't, I mean, I'll barely watch someone's Facebook live that I love. (laughs) That's fair. It's like, you, you can't cheer for a film. Like when you finish watching like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, you can't, or Caribbean, however people say it, but no, here you go here. I've started a controversy. It's like the hot dog sandwich thing. Um, (laughs) but but I take a stance. If you say it one way, that's how you have to say it. There I call go. it Pirates of the Caribbean. That's yeah. Um, I but would say Caribbean. Exactly. So you would go to the Caribbean. I don't know why all of a sudden you're saying I'm taking a stance and it could be either <laughs> or, but I said part. it and then you were like shaming me. Don't <laughs> Caribbean shame me. I do what I want. Lord, it's like caramel or caramel. Well, it's caramel. Car- yeah, that's what I say. Yeah. We're not Sometimes just like skipping consonants now. Knife, <sighs> Can, what, pneumonia. What was the thing that you said? Anyway, I forgot what I was talking. Oh, no, no, no. When you're watching a, a film, you didn't, you're like at the end, you don't like cheer. I mean, sometimes be like, you do. Oh, that was so good. Yes. Sometimes oh, I God. do. I've been known to cheer. <laughs> I've been known to cheer in a movie theater. If it's a great experience. Oh, but it's different when you're in a movie theater with people. But when oh, you're sitting yeah. here watching it, you don't cheer. You talked about the Invisible Woman. You didn't cheer for Elizabeth Moss when, you know, the performance was over. Well, no, no. I didn't want to wake Lexi up. That would have been a nightmare. But the energy of being in that room. Yeah, I think that's what it is. is It's just maybe I'm such a curmudgeon about it because I want the energy back. Yeah. And maybe I'm just an addict. And I'm like, I need need this. And I don't have it. And now I don't have it. Now I don't care. And I'm upset. It's it's so hard to watch 
these like videos or or even like live performances of things and to think you know 10 months ago we were shoulder to shoulder with people packed in a like when you went yeah. to uh uh see oh who was that uh, band in uh, New Orleans that you like. Um, oh my God! I one went one watched that. It was like a powerhouse show. We saw Sweet Crude, yes, Saint Sweet Paul Crude, and the Broken Bones, and Taking the Bengas on the same night. Yes, nuts. Like you were in this room, and and it's like th- it's this palpable. Like you, it you can't describe. You just think it's probably never going to happen again. Yes. Yeah. You look back at that now, and you're like, can I can I be in a room with more than ten people? Right. Ever again? Is this the new normal? Is this I don't know, it, it, but but I agree with you 100%. Like standing on the stage or even watching someone on the stage and cheering and, and being so invested in that moment-to-moment action, I cannot uh, wait for that to come back, and I pray yeah. and hope that it does. I mean, I think it will. I just don't know how long it's going to be for us to be able to get to that point. I mean, I know feeding off of someone's energy just as a performer knowing, you know, I, I, it helps so much Yeah, just because it's, it's like an unspoken thing. But when your audience is really in the show and they're, they're like on the journey with you and you know, they like, they sign up for it. They're like, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to buckle in and we're going to go and I'm going to be with you every, every step of the way you can feel it. Oh yeah. And, if it's a whole audience or if it's just one person, I mean, it's just, it's amazing feeling and you feed off of that energy. And it's so hard to describe to someone who's never done it before. And even so like when you have like this really crazy dramatic moment and you, it is almost like tunnel vision. And even with like comedy, when we were doing uh, a greater tuna, Mm -hmm. you feel like this tunnel vision thing happening to this moment and thing that you're creating. And it is, Oh, it's, it's that thing about earning the pause in the moment. Yeah. And you, whenever you achieve it and you can tell based off of the audience exactly how long to hold it. Yeah. It's like when you let me in, in greater tuna, you, we're, we're doing a lot of pantomiming things and, and, and endowing. And there's this moment where I'm like scooping this sugar into this coffee and you let me go just an inordinate amount of time every night. It and it's just enough. <laughs> just enough every night because <laughs> it was right at the moment before I broke also the stuff that you couldn't see were the in, insane faces that I was making you the whole time so <laughs> even though you're doing that one activity I was doing about 15 I, I it, <laughs> it was at my back it was like you you were like picking like I'm gonna say seven faces and I don't and know I could when feel, it was. I think could feel was, your energy shifting every yeah. time you did it and the audience is like laughing and I'm biting the side of my mouth like this dude has got to stop. What was really sad about that moment is that I found out on like the third performance, like I just mouthed the words, oh my God. <laughs> and the <laughs> audience just lost their minds. But what was sad was, is that that was funnier than the next line. And so my line out of this moment that we built that was hilarious wasn't, it really wasn't technically appropriate. Like what I did there, I should not have done with yeah. the script because really it kind of killed, like I didn't do service to the script, I should say. So I'm sorry, Joe and Justin. I would love to but go back and do serve. that show again yeah, with too. the knowledge of the but audience I, and our energy to one another. <laughs> but I did not, I didn't do the script service in that way because I kind of ruined the next line in a sense. I don't know. Charlene. That... <laughs> that 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 like clapping and and yelling. I thought you said you were going on a diet. Charlene, snap! That's <laughs> yes. what it is. Yeah. 
Oh, loved it so much. But I do miss it, and I can't wait for it to come back. And I think that's why sometimes I'm just filled with like this. I don't know. It's hard. You you think what is the thing that I need to be doing right now? And we always feel like I mean I for the past I don't know. 13, 14 years, Mm -hmm. I have constantly been doing the next thing. Yeah. And sometimes multiple next things and always planning and, you know, two or three things at once, two shows at once, you know, it's just the next audition and always looking for the next thing. And now it's like, "Mm, you're going to need to put that on hold. And so I almost feel like I'm not doing something that I should be doing. Yeah. And when did not doing something become the right thing? Yeah. It's, I have felt so lazy. Yeah. Because, you know, I had spoken to you like, man, maybe I need a break. Maybe I need to take off a show or two or whatever, because I've always had like the next so script in my hand. I what you're Don't saying. you dare put you. this on me. <laughs> you burned the house. We know who did this. <laughs> um, but, but it's like, maybe I did speak it into the universe. Who knows? But it's like, when you actually get the thing that you think you want, you don't yeah. want it at all. When you get the break, like the break is great for about five days. Because now I feel incredibly lazy. And then I, I'm also thinking like, are what those muscles atrophied? Yeah. What, what, what is happening? What happens when you come back? Yeah. But I don't know. I just don't know what the right thing to do is. And I don't think that just doing something, I've never thought that just doing something because we need to do something is ever the right course. Yeah. I think that doing something because of the right reasons is whenever that, that you do like, you know, I, when we did the shows in our season, it was because they were both important and I wanted to do them for very specific reasons. Mm -hmm. And even though this next season, the shows that we have in our season, I wanted to do again for specific reasons. I just can't think of how to do that successfully. Yeah. Like I don't want to do, to kill a mockingbird and not do it the way that I already had envisioned yeah. because I don't feel like that's doing it a service. Mm-hmm. But then I also think, but shouldn't we still just be doing it anyway? Because doing it in some way is better than nothing at all. But then I think no, because it you shouldn't do something just because doing nothing is worse. Yeah. Like I should do it because it's going to be the best that it possibly can be. Mm-hmm. And that the most people can see it. I don't want to do it for an audience of 10. Yeah, you want to do it. And and that's not just like just... Not saying that an audience of 10 isn't worth it. Yeah. Just saying I don't want... I want the possibility for as many people to be able to see that show as possible. And this is, you know, to your credit here, that it's it's not about the monetary gain that you would have from it. It is about the absolute social change that you could incite in people. And I know that that's your, well, yeah, that's you, that's your pig, pure instinct that you, mission. from an, from an art, artist perspective, that yeah. like what you really want is to move people with the story and, and, and what is happening and things like that. Well, when Lexi and I talked about actually creating this company, that was the biggest, the biggest thing for us mm-hmm. is, you know, what, why do we need it? Yeah. Like, what is the purpose of this? There are other theater companies. We already run another one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So what is the purpose of this? Other than, you know, this is my education. This is my passion. This is all I know to do. So I need to do it. Yeah. Um, But you never just, you know, I, you never want to be like the person that's like, Oh, well there are other theater companies, but 
I'm going to create my own because I want to do things my way. Yeah. Um, instead of working with other people. And that wasn't really the sense because if anything, I, I still like want to work with people more Yeah, with having this company. Like I want to do as many collaborations as possible to benefit as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. But I know that us specifically, we wanted a theater that we could put on performances that we felt like needed to be performed Mm -hmm. that weren't being performed. Um, Not saying that that's bad on anyone else, not like giving anybody uh, a, a negative. That's not a negative remark to any other company in our area. It's just that they have their audience and they have their shows that they do. And we wanted to bring ours to the yeah. table because we felt like that there was uh, that there was a there was a there was something missing there. I think that I think that that's true in pretty much every realm. I think when you see that there is something that you feel personally, and and it's not that it's lacking in any way. It's just like I, I feel strongly about doing this thing this way, like. You know, imagine if Steven Spielberg hadn't, you know, started creating these blockbuster, what we know now as blockbuster uh, films, right? right? We wouldn't have that. And and this this guy found a way to innovate mm-hmm. in this amazing way, in, in in this sort of niche way that no one else was doing, and now change the atmosphere around him. And I'm not saying that you're necessarily the Spielberg of this area because no, I do want to take you down a I'll, peg. I'll take it. I'll take and it. say that, I'll you know, all that in. You're more like the Joel down. Schumacher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, no, no. But that's ultimately to say like I'm more it's, like the what is his name? Tommy Toon. That's more me. I'm more I'm more mm, that guy. Mm, I'm more that guy. The Justin Lin, the Fast and the Furious director. Oh um, my gosh, how dare you? <laughs> but 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 it's okay to feel that way. Like I, I see this thing that no one else is doing. And I want to do it. Yeah. And I think that that's great. Well, and we want it for our community because we feel like that it is important for people to see these shows. Yeah. You know, um, not saying that people are going to garner this amazing experience when they watch Murder on the Orient Express, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- that's that also one. something else, too, is like you do about pick... building a season. Yes. That's the thing. And that's one thing that I think is hard. And that's probably a whole other separate little niche topic. But learning how to build a season i mean that's like a whole class I yeah mean, just just you know the things that go into it and how you structure it and how they all go together and um you know also teaching your audience we did we talked about audiences being smart but you know there's something that's very strange that happens in theater where someone will go and watch a movie and it can have nudity and curse words and people's heads exploding and literally like charred burnt bodies on the ground and they don't it's like yeah sure i'll take my kids yeah it's like people just there's some strange disconnect but you put that stuff on stage in front of them and you're a charlatan yeah but it's <laughs> and it's we like we'll it, never support your theater ever again yeah like, it's what i think it's different because it's the moment to moment, yeah. The moment to moment in your face, personal. yeah. You 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 can't you can't like in a film. You know you're sitting in this thing where these people are on this flat screen and there's you know thousands of people in this production. But on on stage, you're with them. Yeah, it's like augmented reality. Yeah, and 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 it's and it's hard to separate or whatever. It is interesting, but you know there are shows that need to be done, not shows that need to be done with 
heads exploding. Right? Yes, like, yes, that, yes, like, yes. That's yes. not not what I'm talking about. But there are shows that when I say teach your audience that you know you give you you do shows that people want to see, of course. Um, and then you do something like you throw a curveball in there of something that they need to see. Yeah. And then eventually, before you know it, you're doing shows that need to be seen yeah. all the time. Um, and I mean, there is a money making aspect of that as well, where you do the one show that, you know, people really want to see and that pays for all the rest of the shows that need to be done. <laughs> right. So you're like I can do this big musical. I can do Oklahoma because I know that, you know, everybody's going to show up for that. And then after that, then I can, you know. If you do Oklahoma, I am not doing it. Man, I love Oklahoma. I know you love Oklahoma. <laughs> it's a state that I have family that lives there in. I but wish I, I could just... have seen the last revival of Oklahoma on Broadway, man. That was amazing. And you know what's so cool is that the guy who played Scrooge for us in Christmas Carol forever ago um, was in that version of Oklahoma, the, the last revival. Um, that had, what is her name? Uh, his name is Mitch Tebow, but um, Alyssa something. She won the Tony for it. But she she played um, the girl that, uh, this is awful. This is terrible. I don't know enough information. <laughs> anyway, they did Oklahoma, and they did it in a, like a, I think they did it in the round or like in an alley stage, but they set it up like a potluck, mm. and they had food for the audience to eat. And they set it up just like you would you would have in like an old country town. And they really talked about like tried to raise awareness about the real story that Oklahoma is based off of, um, which I think a lot of people don't really know or talk about. Um, and I think is it about it was, how they moved the buffalo and the cattle on the Chisholm Trail? No, it's not <laughs> about it's not about that. How dare you bring that was a throwback. All the way. Come on, man. Episode one. I will swing for the fences. <laughs> or zero. Was that episode zero? zero I think. Woo. I've that listened to that. That episode doesn't even times. exist. That's right. Um, it shouldn't exist. No, it wasn't. It was about Curly and how he was of a different race. And that was not an issue until it was. And I feel like you would be Curly. I would have a great time. I love that song. Um, but... Uh, but that was a really good version of that show. You should at least look into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a, it's an option. It is an option that I will probably not follow through with. Well, okay. So, what is your what is your amazing insight in building a season, Mister Kristoff Anapala? Well, I've not had the the opportunity to like build a season, but it's like I do agree with you. You have to. Oh, it's it's like knowing your audience almost. Like, what do you what do you pick that you know. I, I it's not enough to think I got to do like two straight plays, a uh, comedy, a tragedy, a musical, and then like a n- new work. Yeah, it's like it's not enough to think of it that way. So I know when I read books, I'll do one for me personally, like one that I like think is fun. And then I'll try to do one that like builds me in some way. Right. Yeah. And and it's almost like you want to do that with your audience. Like you want to do one that you know that they'll have fun with and they'll come to see or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you want to do something that will 
challenge them in some way. Maybe that like the way that they view life or, or their viewpoints on this particular, you know, subject, uh, such as like the exonerated or something. Yeah. Where you're challenging. Not necessarily where you're saying <laughs> the way that you are living your life is wrong. Yeah. The, I, that's not what's what it's about. Because I think that like growth as a human is to find out what you believe and like why you believe it. Yes. And and, and I but think you know, that some people don't really want to ask themselves those questions. I, I don't understand that yeah, necessarily and I, yes. because I'm much more of the I'm just very curious as to the reasons why I feel or think the way that I do, because exactly. a lot of times it's very, you know, at, at the core of it is opposite of like family or the way I grew up. Mm-hmm. It's like, how in the world did I get to this point? Like, yeah, what led me here? And it's, you know, there's but a this, lot of people don't like to think that there's this book called Bumper Sticker Ethics that is in freaking credible about like, you know, you read something, you believe it and that's it. And yeah. and you know what? That's kind of how I feel about like where we are as a society now. That is 100 percent where we are, especially if you watch The Social Dilemma where you like, oh, well, I read this. It's true. Yes. It is now my gospel and I'm moving on instead of like. Apparently, no one ever did a bibliography page. And what's even what's even worse than that is like we deify these things that are not real. And we're talking about like misinformation, you know, those things that we were talking about at the very beginning that are topical. And I know that this is going a certain direction here, but it's like we as a people, as human beings on Earth, owe it to ourselves to know what we believe and why we believe it. Right. And then and and for it to be okay if we don't know. I think people are so scared of that phrase, I don't know. I yeah. Mean, I know as an actor, it was a huge deal for me to get to a point where I just admitted that I didn't know everything that a director was trying to tell me. And just really embracing my ignorance. In yeah, a it's way. like, and just well, why are like, you saying this? I don't it's know like, because I it's the only know. way that I can grow. Yeah. Is just to admit like, you know what? I don't actually understand what you're saying there. And can you explain it differently or yes. better? Because that's the only way I'm going to know. Well, it's like we were talking about the podcast earlier. And, and, and I'll admit I'm not the best at hearing certain things or knowing certain things. And, you know, you were talking about how Lexi was feeling bad about telling me that, hey, the sound's a little off on this. And it's like, I need that information right. so badly to grow, to, to know how I can be better. Any sort of criticism at this point, people just immediately think, oh, it's a huge slide at me and my character, and you're not my friend. It's, but you're not attacking me personally. Right. I don't understand this. It's like, we've, we've made these belief systems who we are as a people. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's not that. It's like, I don't have to agree with you on everything. I can still love you as a person and not right. agree with you. I think you and I, on a lot of things, don't necessarily agree 100%. Probably. But it, it's okay. I still love you as a person. I still love you as a had friend. An argument in that kind of sense because I think that we're both able to have the conversation. Yeah. We, and if we don't agree at the end of it, then so be it. I'm it's mo- like moving on with my life. I we don't can have to we can debate. Yeah, we can debate something, and it's like I'm not attacking you as a core person. I'm letting yeah. you know that this is where I stand, and we don't have to disagree at this. And I don't know that we've even raised our voices at one another. Well, ever. I mean, to be honest, I don't understand, and I said this the other day. I do not understand how anyone as an adult gets to that point. Exactly. And maybe that's just me as a human, but I'm like, I, how I cannot remember the last time that I yelled at someone off stage. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's different. 
I mean, but I can't. I I know that that feeling is there, like mm-hmm. the the want to do that. Um, but there's also my rational brain that says, "Well, no, you need to think about this and talk about this logically, instead of just oh, I'm going to jump in there and start screaming." Yeah, I mean that's crazy to me. And that's I have never, never been never yelled once at. Once gotten it accomplished. Yeah, I've never been yelled at and 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 made me think differently about something. Yeah, and thought, oh, you know what? I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. You're right. <laughs> Thank Whoops. you for yelling at me. I like totally saw that in a different light now yeah, that you. Now I understand. And I know that that's like some control issues that some people just don't have that ability to stop. But I mean, my God, it is. It is the reason. So to be transparent, I don't know if I'll keep this in or not, but I was I had perfect attendance until I was a junior in high school, sophomore, junior in high school. And there was a teacher who was yelling at me in my face about as close as I am to this microphone right now. And I yeah. just said, please stop yelling. And then she got twice as loud. And I. Yeah, you don't want this. in the podcast. Lo- I, Yeah, I lost control. <laughs> but it was it, it was one of those things where it's like, what did that solve yeah. yelling at another human being? It doesn't and, solve anything. I mean, it basically is just like here. I'm now showing you that I am super angry. And nothing from here on out is ever going to be like, solved. This is this is obvious, and 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 I've told that to a couple people. Sometimes it's like this is obviously a boundary for you, and you need to have this conversation with me later. Yes, or not at all. We 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 both need to like walk away from this right now before it it, it becomes something else. Yeah. And it's like we we as a people, we as human beings, have stopped critically thinking, right? And and or wanting to. I mean, it's just it's almost like well, it's hard, and it's. It's, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, I've, this is the way I feel. And this is the blanket. This is the bumper sticker. It's that's yeah. the exact way to think of it. And it's it, what's so crazy to me is like education has become this weapon against the uneducated. Yeah. Or the other or the unlearned, I guess you could say. Not that everybody's uneducated. I don't want to speak, you know, blanketly or, you know, sort of like to group everybody in together. Well, definitely like, for people who have gone into higher education. I mean, I. I know that I hear attacks on people who go into higher education all the time Yeah, that are just like, oh, well, that's you feel this way because you went to college. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Yeah, that has nothing to do with it. It's like, like so basically what you just told me is I, I feel this way because I went and got educated and thought about it. Yeah. Like, it seems like you just proved my argument. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't and, make any sense. And see, I feel like I sit on the uh, in the middle on a lot of arguments a lot of times where it's like I try to see the the angle from both sides and it's like you're you both have points that are valid yeah I don't necessarily agree with both of them it just it comes down to how you feel yes your faith on this on the issue it's like I I don't disagree with this because and that is okay to say that being like yeah you know what I don't know why I feel this way and this is just the way that it is yes I don't have a way of explaining it but it it is the way that I feel it's like I don't know why this makes me uncomfortable but it does yeah and it's just where I sit and it is okay to be that way and we've, we've stopped having that dial, And I know that this has become something else altogether, but we've stopped having that dial, And it's almost like. But that's why we we're on stage to together, right? We're collaborative and we've stopped being collaborative as a, a species almost. Yeah, it's it's like, let's let's work together to this product or this what we're trying to accomplish. I work with people every day that I do not agree with on yes. many, many, many fronts. 
And I have never once had a disagreement like that. And I don't think that it is necessary. We can still produce a good product at the end of whatever it is that we are doing. And, you know, being a teacher, not only a theater artist, teaching, there are so many different approaches to the way that you behave in a classroom. And, like, I personally would never yell at my kids. I wouldn't do that. No. And, you know, I had a situation where I had another teacher yell at some kids of mine when they were going to my class. So it wasn't in my class, but I had this situation and I was so angry, not at the kids. I was more angry at the other teacher. And it took me a really long time to figure out how to handle that situation because I wanted to go have a conversation with this person about this. Yeah. I'm like, hey, in the future. Do not do this because really what was bad was that moment could have been handled in such a better way. And instead the whole rest of the class was just, it was kind of ruined. Yeah, absolutely. And there was no way to, to really come back from it. So once that happened, I was like, well, that just write that off as a bad day. Yeah. It's like, I know that people tell you don't let 10 minutes ruin your entire day. Right. But it is so hard. It's hard to let let those 10 minutes go. Yeah. Especially whenever you feel so attacked like that. Yes. Because I think there's a superiority. Yeah thing of, of, and i don't know you that's just, why i love harry potter like it's always like buck the system man yeah. like you know what let let just because you're a kid doesn't mean that what you have to say is invalid and i know that i feel i'm 31 now and it's like i i still feel like a kid in a lot of respects but it's like no no <laughs> no i still have this opinion that is valid in the yeah. world today and it's like no matter what age you are you're still learning i'm still learning every day who I am and what I believe and, and things like that. And it's like, I, yeah, maybe 10 minutes might be like the thing that like set me off, but it's like, well, why? And I can get over it. Yeah. But you know, that is thinking that way. It's is one of the reasons why we like doing shows like to kill a mockingbird, you know? Yeah. Um, and red and, you know, like wasteland like we were talking about, because it is those shows where people show up and, they might 100% think and feel a certain way, but they watch it and it at least makes them question something or look something up or just just think about something in a, in a different way. Exactly. And if it stays with you and, it, and that like, you know, and you go out and you, you know, change just a little bit for the better, that to me is huge. And exactly. that's what I want to, that's the kind of stuff that I want to be doing. And that's what I miss doing. It's like I said before, it's like, I don't want anyone to ever walk away feeling indifferent. Yeah, of course. And you know, that's kind of like earlier when I was talking about like way long time ago, um, when I was talking about how I didn't really want to direct Annie, I got to say like that experience at the Fox when I directed Annie there ended up being one of my favorite mm-hmm. theatrical experiences. And it wasn't that I didn't want to direct these people. It was just that this show didn't appeal to me until I realized that that was just me being lazy because I couldn't find my way in. Yeah. When really I could have. And I just, you know, well, wasn't it was, that working was, it out. That was really the thing I really wanted to ask you in that moment about, like, what's your approach to directing? Like, like how do you break down a script and things like that? Like Because it's interesting to me to, to see 
and hear about everybody talk about like how they all yeah. take a screenplay or take a script and and break it down moment to moment and how they build these things that lead to the you know what is well, you know, I think the for ultimate me, the, the point the of the show. That I have to do is think about where I'm starting and where I'm ending. Yeah. And once I can have those two pictures, if I can have my start picture, like I I make my set and everything like that, like pretty much the first time that I read the show. Yeah. I think because, you know, when community theater, I don't have a set designer. I'm the set designer. I'm, yeah. the, I'm the costume designer. I'm the set builder, you know, and, and so I think that the set really plays a huge role for me, oh, especially absolutely. because I like to do what they call static staging. Um which is where the set doesn't really move. Because I think when the set moves a whole bunch, it's that's what you're paying attention to. Yeah, it's really distracting. And my biggest pet peeve is a two-minute scene change. Oh, my, dude. And you, you've like, lost me as an audience yeah, member. I'm so out of here. Like, this is not what I signed up for. I didn't sign up to see people move things in the dark. So I just, <laughs> like, I, it's, I just hate it. Um, so in my mind, I think, you know, you just have to push yourself really hard to think, how can I make one one stage, like the stage with a, a set that doesn't move and then still have it to where it can look and feel like different places, mm-hmm. depending on what's going on and how we use it. And I think that's that's one of those things where you have to really, really push yourself creatively to be like, all right, I'm going to put two walls up here but I'm going to hide stuff in these walls and I'm going to put a window over here that you're not expecting. And for some reason, you know what? I think it would be a great idea if this was my favorite thing that I've maybe have ever done was putting the, uh, Bert Healy, the radio guy up top. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 So put him on top of the wall and then had a curtain for him to open and close and then plop that thing out on top of the wall to his, his, uh, his microphone Mm -hmm. to talk and then have him actually speak directly to Miss Hannigan. Yeah. The energy between them was hilarious. And then that moment when the kid in, uh, Hooverville. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, gets the newspaper and we had the radio guy read the newspaper and he went over and he like kicked the wall and banged on it and the dude (laughs) showed up and he was like oh and he like read the thing out loud that was just those little moments to me were so awesome well it connects the characters in a way that you know they they wouldn't have been connected and you just didn't expect it yeah you're just like oh that's what that's doing up there and so then it makes it interesting i think for the audience like how are they gonna do this yeah i i especially love that that moment with hannigan and 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 uh bert healy the flirting oh when she's crawling (laughs) yes what is that whenever he's he's like talking about oh he's doing the romance novel yeah (laughs) <laughs> so so but you're absolutely right in that in that moment you you you're, you're talking about creating these things that you read between the lines of the script and it's like right. how can i make this interesting for the audience so what i think and what are is the obstacles the, that i can overcome with this with these two characters yeah. yeah so i think set and right after i read the whole thing i like sketch it out very simply and a lot of the times that goes in the garbage but um, I get like a rough draft of all the things like, okay, I need something to do this and something to do this and something to do this. So how can I combine it? And yeah. a lot of that goes off of whatever my concept, mm-hmm. you know, is like what my overall look of the show is. Um, like Annie, I kind of wanted it to look like it was inside of a beer bottle. Yeah. And so I used a lot of amber lights the whole time. Which is, you know, back to the horror thing. Very one of the things that you, you did really well. And, you know, again, to, 
you know, build you up, but I'm going to have to take you down a peg when we finish this, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, was that you, you know, in, in, in keeping with the horror and the thriller is like you had these red lights and you kept a lot of, of, uh, the, the, the character that you were the, um, you're doing Oliver. Yeah, Oliver. I'm so yeah. sorry. Yes, I'm so sorry. Um, but you you had a lot of that in these reds and and then the shadows and and you kept all that. Yeah, we like, played a lot with shadows. Tension, and Oliver, which yeah. was was cool because we set up almost to look like you know ra- rafters in a way, like yes. a lot of beams, so that whenever the light showed through it, you it looked like the world just kind of kept going. It's like that Jaws thing where it's like the the more minimalistic you are, it's yeah. like almost the the more on edge yeah, and crazier edge it feels. Of course. But, you know, I, I so I hammer out what a set's going to look like, and then I think about, I go basically moment to moment. I think, who needs to be on stage? So I look at, like, the least amount of cast members that I possibly could have. Like, I really don't, I really don't think you ever need more than 10. I would much rather see, you know, and I think that's, that's one thing that... I love so much about those shows that we've done lately is that they were so minimal and I really love figuring out how to use one person as much as possible. Yeah. So like, how can I get this person off stage into a different character back on stage and no one notice Mm -hmm. and accept it if they do. It's this intimate investment you have in when, when, when the actor comes out as one thing. I think it's a lot like in Hamlet, whenever it's, he's talking about the, these players, like we have these players and they all play their part Yeah, and they have their 10 players and they're all doing multiple stuff. And Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the way that I think of it. It's like, no, we're, we're just, you know that this is the theater. Yeah. We are telling the story. So we're going to establish that from the beginning. So that then as we move forward, you're going to be with us 100% and you're not even going to pay attention to the fact that the set hasn't moved and that this actor has played three roles. <laughs> or that, you know, two actors are playing 10 characters ten each. 10 characters each, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think if you can really get people to make that investment, then you've done your job. Yeah. And you know what? Actually, you know what? We've been running for quite a while now. So... Why don't we oh, why don't we let this roll over into the next one, like talking about like sort of this? Because I feel like we could go deeper into this and I really want to oh, keep yeah. talking about it. <laughs> but uh yeah, so why don't you tell walk us off with a joke? Walk us off with a joke? Yeah. Um did you hear the one about a man with a wooden lame named Smith? <laughs> you wanna repeat that sentence? Did you hear the one about the man with mm-hmm. a wooden leg named Smith? <laughs> yes. No, I haven't. Obviously, because you would have said, what was the name of his other leg? <laughs> what was the name of his other leg? <laughs> ridiculous. You ever watched Mary Poppins? I mean, come on. That's some some serious Dick Van Dyke I stuff right there. I have never, ever, ever watched that film in my life. Oh, my gosh. Christopher. I was in the show. I was in the play with you. I was about to say you were in the show. But I was like every the character. in the show. That joke's not in the show, so that's not fair. Oh, yeah. I watched uh, Saving Mr. Banks, if that counts. (laughs) All right, everyone, that was Cody. And that is and will always be Christophanopoulos.
Y'all are both ridiculous.